Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. We're now entering our second holiday season amid a global pandemic. But while COVID-19 is still very much with us, an awful lot has changed over the past 12 months. So what do we need to know this year to keep our holiday tables COVID safe? Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Benconi, and today on the program, we're going to run through the do's and don'ts of COVID safety for this holiday season. This is probably not the week to start going to indoor dining if you haven't been so far. And then a bit later in the program, we're also going to discuss another important COVID safety measure that health officials are urging just about everybody to take now, getting the booster shot. Basically trying to reduce the chance that people that have been vaccinated in the past get these mild infections, get infected and pass it on to someone else. First up though, let's get that updated pandemic safety guide for the holidays. For that part of our program, we're going to welcome on now Dr. Robert Wachter, Chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco. Dr. Robert Wachter, welcome back to KCBS In-Depth. Thank you. It's great to be here. So as uh, we alluded to at the top of the program, uh, while plenty of COVID risks certainly do remain, we are in uh, a very different place coming into the holiday season as compared to last year. You know, on the one hand, uh, we've got the vaccines on our side and uh, also have an extra 12 months of experience dealing with this pandemic. Uh, On the other uh, less positive side, though, I guess uh, we have to acknowledge we are still also dealing with the much more transmissible Delta variant. So a little bit of a mixed bag. So I guess the question I want to start off with, you know, as folks out there are firming up their holiday plans, uh, you know, what events to go to, how many uh, safety precautions they might want to be taking, what are some of the biggest considerations that you'd hope that they'd keep in mind? Well, yeah, thanks, Keith. I I think numbers one through five are, are you vaccinated? And if appropriate, have you gotten your booster? I think that's As I think about who I want to hang around with over Thanksgiving, uh, I feel quite safe if I am secure that in a reasonably small group of people, everyone's gotten vaccinated. And if they're more than six months out from their shot, they've gotten their booster. Uh, And if they felt crummy, they would stay home. 
I think that that that's sort of the safest environment. If you have uh, unvaccinated loved ones, I think you have to think about things a little bit differently. And not only are they at higher risk of of getting COVID and getting sick from it, but they're at higher risk of carrying it and bringing it in. And if you're fully vaccinated and again, if, if appropriate, boosted, you're pretty safe, uh, but not completely. They, you still can get breakthrough infections as people are now aware of. So. Uh, the most important thing is, is, is your vaccination status of yourself and of the people that you're going to be with. Beyond that, um, you know, the cases are, have come down, but now they've gone up a little bit. There's still a thousand deaths a day in the United States. So I think it's important for people to recognize that uh, uh, it feels better than it felt maybe a few months ago. Uh, but we're still at a high level of virus. There's still a lot of COVID around. There's still a lot of people who get very sick. Most of the ones who get super sick are unvaccinated. But I think you you can't throw caution to the wind. You can't say, declare victory and that we're done with this because the virus is still not done with us. You still have to be careful. One more point I'll make, and I'm sure we'll get into this, is in my calculations in the past, up until maybe a couple of, year, a couple of months ago, there was this other fudge factor, which was, I got to stay really safe, but things are going to get much, much, much better. Maybe COVID will go away completely. So I'm kind of hunkering down. I don't think that anymore. I, I think we're in a version of what the end game looks like now. And so, for example, if last year you didn't do Thanksgiving with family or holiday, other holidays with family, because next year will be much better. I don't think that anymore. I think we're probably in a version of our future. And so I do think we have to navigate how do you do these things safely, because at some point, you know, you have to live your life and you have to have joy in your life. And if getting together with families over a holiday is part of that, we have to figure out a way of doing it as safely as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot of real world long term considerations that people got to be making at this point. Uh, once again, speaking right there with Dr. Robert Wachter, he's the chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco. Let's zero in on that example of the families that might have mixed status vaccinations. You know, a lot of reasons that might happen. Perhaps one member of the family chose not to get vaccinated for one reason or another, or perhaps some members of the family are too young to get vaccinated. That's uh, certainly the case with my family. We have a, a baby niece who uh, is still too young to get vaccinated. What are the level of precautions that you think that uh, families in that sort of circumstance should be taking? Of course, uh, you know, if we remember back to last year, I think a lot of us were doing our, our best to keep the meal outside, keep as much of the proceedings outside uh, as possible. Is that something that families should be considering once again this year? Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd add a couple of other twists to um, mixed family, uh, you know, if someone is immunosuppressed. They may have been vaccinated, but it may not have fully taken. You've got to be a little careful around them. And, you know, I consider fully vaccinated these days to have received your booster uh, more than a week ago if your original shots were more than six months ago. So if you are fully vaccinated, that's great. But if it was seven or eight months ago, you haven't gotten boosted. Then in terms of the level of safety, you're somewhere between fully vaccinated and unvaccinated. Uh, how to handle it? Well, the first the the first rule I think is if you're uh, if you are getting together inside. Well, the first rule obviously is outside is safer than inside, and so I'd be reasonably comfortable with that group if uh, if we were all sitting outside. If that was comfortable and there was no danger of frostbite, I think that's a a, a reasonable thing to do. In terms of making it as safe as possible for unvaccinated people. 
to be around vaccinated people, I think the key issue is testing. And unlike a year ago, we now have access to, uh, to rapid antigen tests. Hopefully you can find them. They're available in some pharmacies. They're not cheap, might cost you 10 or 15 bucks a test. So if you're talking about testing eight people around a table, you're talking about 100 bucks, 150 bucks. But the antigen tests do a really good job of, uh, of answering the question that you wanna answer in that moment, which is, is that person infectious? They're not as sensitive as the PCR tests. So it's possible you can have, uh, you can have COVID, but uh, you, know, you had it a week or two ago, or you had just got it yesterday, but you haven't reached a level of virus that you're infectious. The, P the, the antigen tests, the rapid tests uh, that you can now buy in most pharmacies will really answer the question today, are you spreading, capable of spreading virus to someone else? So if, for example, I was going to a Thanksgiving gathering with eight family members and one was, uh, was unvaccinated uh, uh, for whatever reason, um, and we were going to do it inside, I would insist that they at least uh, took the antigen test that morning. And if it's negative, you can be pretty confident, and I'd say very confident, that they are not infectious and not capable of infecting other people around the table. Yeah, so that's a, that's a little bit of a peace of mind. Uh, for those who are considering traveling, I guess let's consider as many different uh, family situations as we can. That now brings into uh, the picture a whole uh, different set of considerations, namely the rate of spread in uh, whatever community you're going to. Is that a, an important thing to be tracking at this point? Yeah, I mean, you, you, your chance of getting infected are, is a combination of what your own risk is, and you've markedly lowered it if you're vaccinated, uh, times the behavior, you know, how close are you to people, are you wearing masks or not, times the possibility that the person you're coming in contact with has the virus. So if you're in San Francisco, a city that is having 50 to 70 new cases a day in a city of 900,000, uh, so about 10 cases per 100,000 people per day, the, the chances that person sitting next to you uh, is infected is relatively low. If you're in a city that has five or 10 times that number, the chances go up considerably. So it becomes much riskier to have the exact same activity. So, you know, this is where this three-dimensional chess comes in. If you're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving and one person is from Denver, well, the rate in Colorado is actually quite high now. You know, another person's from Minnesota where the rate is quite high. Another person is from Florida. Florida now is actually pretty benign as this goes. Their rates are fairly low. So they, they brought with them the probability of uh, being infected from where they came from. If, you know, if they're gonna spread it to you, then they got their virus four or five days ago. And so in terms of weighing the safety, you really have to sort of not necessarily pay that much attention to where you all are at that moment. It's more important to know where they were four or five days ago, which influences the probability that they are infected, as does whether they're vaccinated, as does how careful, uh, how careful they've been in their own activities. Just going to remind listeners real quick that this is KCBS In Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi speaking right now to Dr. Robert Wachter. Once again, he's the chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco, running through the list of do's and don'ts for holiday safety this holiday season. Uh, I guess you could say we've uh, got a list and we're checking it twice right now because we are in the second year of this pandemic and an awful lot has changed. Um 
I, I suppose another uh, precaution that some folks might be considering right now is just in the week or two prior to going to that Thanksgiving dinner, trying to limit the number of other contacts that they're having, uh, just so that when you're meeting up with family, there's less of a chance that you're bringing that COVID infection with you. Is is that a reasonable precaution? Reasonable. I wouldn't go overboard. I mean, uh, you know, if if it depends what you're talking about. Is this if you're going to be going into a closed space with your 80 year old parents, particularly if any of them are not vaccinated, or I would now say, you know, if their vaccines were seven months ago, but they haven't been boosted, then you want to do everything you possibly can to be uninfected when you come in contact with them. So this is probably not the week to start going to indoor dining if you haven't been so far. It's not the week to ditch the mask when you go shopping if if you're in a place where you don't have to wear a mask. I think it's a week where you should be a little bit thoughtful about being careful. But it's almost if if you're worried enough about that, I would you, the safest thing you could do is actually do the antigen test if you can have access to it. If sort of I would say if you know if if, if we're talking about sort of what are the things you can do to ensure that when you go into an indoor space with people whose vulnerability you worry about. This, the best thing you can do is figure out whether you're actually infected by doing an antigen test that morning. Mm. So an awful lot of considerations for people to be weighing, but it really does seem like, based on some of the answers that you're giving, that there are, there's not a lot of cut and dried rules that you can hand people. It really does seem to depend an awful lot on the specific situations of a specific household and also what level of risk people are willing to tolerate this year, especially as you mentioned earlier in the program, in light of the fact that it does seem like this is the equilibrium that we're going to be confronting with, uh, you know, some level of COVID present in our communities for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That to me is an important consideration. I, you know, my my mantra in the past really was, hunker down, try to be as careful as possible, you know, don't get COVID because the cavalry is coming. And at some point this will all go away and we can go back to 2019. I wish I thought that, uh, I don't anymore. And I, I, I know very few experts that do. And it's really the combination of Delta and the fact that 30 or 40% of people are mostly choosing not to be vaccinated, which I still find flabbergasting, but is a, a, a point of, as a point of fact. And so, it, 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 I'm now in a kind of, if not now, when? And um, and that doesn't mean that we're absolutely gonna be stable and static forever. You know, the virus will go up and it will go down and there'll be some roller coasters and it'll be regional variations, certainly safer in the Bay Area with our vaccine rate than other parts of the country. But if, if the hope was hunker down, miss another Thanksgiving with family, because next year you'll be able to not do any of this three-dimensional chess, you'll just have, you know, take off the mask, have the, a grand old time. I don't think so. I think it's going to look like a version of this. And so we have to navigate a way of being comfortable, hanging out with loved ones, having the joys in our lives and being as safe as we possibly can be, which doesn't mean burning the mask or, or it means being as careful as you can be. And now getting boosted if you have the chance to do that, because I think that will add to the level of comfort and the level of safety. All right. Well, an important lists of uh, considerations, but also some bracing perspective as we head into this holiday season. And we were getting that there from Dr. Robert Wachter, who once again is the chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco. Dr. Robert Wachter, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Benconi. Today on the program, we're discussing COVID safety during the upcoming holiday season in light of everything that's changed over the past year. Up next, well, one big thing that's changed just recently, the recommendations for who should get a booster shot for the COVID vaccine. Federal health officials had been recommending boosters only for select groups of people at heightened risk from infection, like the elderly and the immunocompromised. But the thinking seems to have changed, and now they're moving to expand access to all adults. Meantime, state and local health officials have already made it clear that they support broader access. So what's behind this change? And just how big of a difference could these booster shots make in stemming the spread of the virus over the holidays? Well, we've got some complicated scientific questions here. So we're going to be getting some help, as we often do in such situations, from frequent guest Dr. Marm Kilpatrick, who is an infectious disease researcher at UC Santa Cruz's Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology. Dr. Marm Kilpatrick, welcome back to KCBS In-Depth. Happy to be here. So uh, just to recap, because there's a lot going on here, uh, we've gone from a narrow recommendation that only some people should get a booster shot uh, for the mRNA vaccines to now going in the direction of a much broader recommendation that uh, just about every adult should get them. Uh, and of course, uh, bracketing for a second, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which is kind of in a category of its own, different situation. But uh, help us understand, Dr. Kilpatrick, what's going on here? It, it seems like a lot of this boils down to what we're learning now about just how quickly our immunity from the virus is fading. Is that right? So it's a combination of a few things, and I'll see if I can lay those out carefully. So first, there's been a growing and now quite uh, incontrovertible evidence that a vaccine or infection-derived immunity against a mild infection and definitely wanes substantially over time. So I don't think there's any scientist that will disagree with that comment. Um, what's also been relatively clear, and actually was, uh, I think, the primary foundation for the FDA's decision a, a month or two ago, is that vaccine protection against severe disease 
um, is actually still quite good and, and doesn't weigh nearly as much as um, protection against mild infection. So that kind of disconnect between the fact that if you've gotten vaccinated, um, even six months later, your protection against severe disease and death is still quite high, but your immunity does wane a little bit against mild infection. And so you, you have this kind of trade-off where you say, well, okay, the vaccines are still doing a great job of protecting me against getting really sick, but over time, they're actually not giving me quite as strong a protection against that initial infection that could lead to me transmitting the virus onto someone else and possibly getting um, mild illness. And I should also add, at the time that original decision was made, we didn't really know whether people that got mild infections post-vaccination could get long COVID or not. And so it's, I think it's always really important to keep in mind that we don't want to just worry about statistics like deaths or hospitalizations. Long COVID is an outcome that can happen after relatively mild um, COVID infection and can cause really severe symptoms for quite a long time. So we want to keep that in mind as well. So mm. that's all to say that the initial decision was based on the fact that we still had quite strong evidence, and there still is very good evidence to today, that vaccination provides quite robust and quite long-lasting um, protection against severe disease and death. However, at the same time that that's true, our immunity against mild infection and infection that can be transmitted onto other people does definitely wane over time, and the evidence for that is now very strong. And so uh, I, I think there's been an increasing uh, bits of evidence that have come out over the last month or two since that original decision that have indicated how clearly um, vaccinated people that have been vaccinated, you know, say three to six months in the past, can get infected um, almost always with mild infections, which is great, that's the purpose of the vaccines, but then can get infected and can pass on the virus. And so what that means is that if we really wanna limit the transmission of the pathogen, especially to those that have not been vaccinated yet, um, one way to do that is to boost people that have had two doses already. They can, as I said, if they got vaccinated six months ago with a standard two-dose vaccine, one of the mRNA vaccines, they now could get infected and could pass it on to someone else. And if that someone else has not been vaccinated or is an elderly person, let's say at higher risk of severe disease themselves, um, that could lead to infection. Um, and so so this third dose booster basically boosts our immune system back up to actually even a little bit higher than post-second dose that we had before, and therefore substantially protects people against both infection and if you get infected, the chance you pass it on. And that effect on kind of the kind of transmission of the virus is really, really helpful. And as we move into this holiday season where we had this huge surge last year, that's one thing we'd really like to try to stop. Mm, yeah, of course. Uh... And uh, it is really, you know, comforting that we do have so many more tools on our side to help stop that. I, I think what has been a little bit head spinning and difficult to make sense of over the last couple of months for many of us is who we are concerned about, who is at most risk of this waning immunity, because at first it seemed like the message was we're seeing this steep drop in immunity among the elderly and uh, folks who are immunocompromised, of course, have uh, had trouble building up immunity from the beginning. Uh, but now are you saying that even younger people are also seeing a dip in immunity as well over time? Let me be super clear about this. So the reason for the original recommendation for third dose boosters for older people and people with uh, immunocompromised immune systems um, was because those people in those people um, protection against both infection and mild disease and severe disease was shown to be waning quite clearly. And so that's why we definitely needed the boosters for them. And that's why the highest priority is still for uh, these people at high risk of severe disease to get boosted first. However, the evidence is now quite clear that both these this group of people and people that are younger, um, your immunity against uh, infection at all and, and mild infection also wanes for younger, healthy people as well. And that's the part that we can basically um, reverse by a, a booster dose. So a third dose can basically boost your immune system, even for young, young, healthy people, and reduce the chance that you can get any sort of infection at all and pass that virus on to someone else. 
So what we're doing basically by boosting young, healthy people is protecting them against mild infections, some of which can lead to long COVID, and we're protecting them from getting infected and passing that on to someone else, especially if that person they pass it on to might be an older um, person that might be at higher risk of severe disease. So we're basically having a dual benefit, both the direct benefit to the person being boosted and the benefit to all the people around that person that are boosted because they'll have a less chance of passing it on to them. Speaking once again to Dr. Marm Kilpatrick with UC Santa Cruz's Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology, talking about the case for getting the booster shot as federal and local health officials are making it clear that they're interested in seeing more people in more age groups, just about all adults really, uh, getting the booster shot. Uh, So this links in pretty neatly with the broader conversation that we've been having throughout the conversation, that is how to stay safe during the holiday season. And it sounds like what you're saying is if you're a young person and you haven't gotten the booster shot yet, One good way to make sure that you don't bring COVID-19 home to mom and dad or perhaps younger people in your household that uh, might not have had the vaccine yet is to get the booster shot. And that will limit the risk that you'll transmit it to people you care about. Absolutely. I I, uh, was remiss in in mentioning the other group that um, is at risk here are unvaccinated people at all. And as I think most listeners will be aware Um, children just became eligible for vaccination relatively recently. So a substantial fraction of children uh, have not been vaccinated yet. So that would be another group of people that you would prefer to not transmit the virus to. And how much do we know about the timing here? Uh, Is it six months and cut off right there? You're seeing a steep decline. Is it a very gradual decline over time? I know that this is uh, really complicated science, but how much do we know at this point about where you really need to start being concerned about your immunity? Sure. So the data on this are, um, how do I say? Yeah. So we have we have good evidence that there's overall waning. The exact rates of the exact shape of that kind of decay in immunity isn't, um, there isn't quite as strong a data as we'd like to have on it. So a cutoff of six months is not a magical threshold cutoff where, you know, at five months, you're still fantastic. And at six months and one day, you know, suddenly your immunity has plummeted off the cliff. It's definitely not how it works. It's a gradual process. Um, your your highest antibody levels actually wane the the quickest in the first three months after um, vaccination or infection, um, and then they actually stabilize a bit after that. However, let's be super clear that the vaccines are providing um, very strong protection against severe disease and death, even for much longer than six months. So it's not like at six months, you know, you should, uh, you know, your, your risk of, of you're basically, it's not like you've not been vaccinated at six months. You still have very strong vaccine-based immunity or infection-based immunity um, at that time period, but it's waned quite a bit compared to just a few weeks after you got your second dose. And I, I suppose just in the last couple of minutes that we have left, uh, curious for your thoughts, and this is a theme that we've actually discussed with you a number of times when you've come on the program, is just what these changing recommendations and these changes in stances from various health officials, what that says about the underlying science or how it's reflecting the underlying science. I mean, it, it can be pretty bewildering for folks out there to make sense of all this. Is is the changing position of the FDA, the CDC, uh, is, is that really just a matter of we've gotten more data in the past couple of months? Uh, I mean, how, how, how should the average listener make sense of that? I think that's a fair question. I think it's been challenging for all of us, even those uh, that, that are trying to you know dive into the science as deeply as we can. Um, with an issue like this, I'll see if I can say this succinctly. Um, there's some trade-offs here. So one is that uh, there's some global vaccine equity issues where if we are giving third doses to um, healthy young Americans that already have had two doses, where there's a large population of people in the world that have not had a single dose yet, and they might even be a healthcare worker working in hospitals with COVID patients, um, one can ask whether the dose should go to a, as a third dose booster 
uh, or should go to you know a person in a developing country that's a healthcare worker. And I think um, mm. all of us would agree that the that dose would be most effectively used in that person that's unvaccinated. In addition to that, even within the U.S., mm-hmm. um, the science is also very clear that the third dose would be best off. I shouldn't say it that way. The dose should be best off given to a person that's unvaccinated rather than a third dose booster that someone's already had two shots. So mm-hmm. the combination of those two issues is part of the pushback in that um, it was clear that it wasn't necessarily required for us to use the third dose boosters really to prevent severe disease and death as much as it was uh, to get those doses out to people that hadn't had a vaccine at all yet. So that was part of the issue and part of the pushback that came from a lot of scientists when boosters were first proposed. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, uh, let, let's close with this. I mean, just to put the the stakes of these decisions in proper context, what kind of a situation are we looking at if folks don't get the booster? We've heard a lot from local health officials that they're worried that the uptake hasn't been as high as they would like to see. What happens if that rate doesn't get higher? Yeah. So there's been quite a bit of mathematical modeling done, which is where we try to look at the current situation and the scenarios that we might look at in front of us. And what a lot of that modeling suggests is that with the current vaccination levels in California and in certain counties especially, and the fraction of people that have been previously exposed to the virus and the waning that we've talked about, especially against infection and transmission, if we really kind of go back to our full pre-pandemic behavior where we have, you know, moderately large or maybe even quite large holiday parties, um, you know, we go to large indoor gatherings and we don't wear masks, things like that, um, all the kind of mathematical modeling and scenarios we've looked at suggest that there is quite a strong possibility of a substantial surge. Um, And so the surge will not be nearly as bad as it's been in the past because of vaccination and because vaccines, uh, even with waning immunity, protect us quite well against severe disease and death, there still could be quite substantial numbers of cases and hospitalizations. And so the boosters are basically a tool for us to try to prevent that probability from occurring. So we really are trying to avoid this scenario where we, many of us really want to go back to our fantastic holiday gatherings And if we do so um, without kind of boosted immunity, there's a good chance that we might have a surge this winter. All right. Well, uh, a bracing reality for us all to, uh, I think, understand fully as we, you know, put these decisions into the proper context. Uh, We have been speaking once again to Dr. Marm Kilpatrick. He is an infectious disease researcher at UC Santa Cruz's Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology. Dr. Marm Kilpatrick, thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe. Be well. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.